Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B, Michael Freer. This is episode number 73, the worm episode, as Dennis Rodman is the only NBA player to ever wear number 73, which he did back in 1999 as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers for 23 games during the 1998-1999 season. But before we get any further, just a reminder that the last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL and college football and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering nudes, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't re- don't forget to use our promo code BLEAV, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And tonight, I start with you, Bruce, for our opening tip. All right, guys. Uh, we're on the eve of the start of the regular season, and unfortunately, one of my favorite players uh, will not be participating. Uh, as listeners to this show know, I am a huge Stephen Adams fan. Uh, while his scoring numbers have faded over the past three seasons, he remains a player that brings winning skills. He may be the physically strongest player in the NBA at 6'11 and 265 pounds. He's a physical presence in the middle on defense. He's a relentless rebounder. He leads the league in offensive boards. He gets his team extra possessions. And people who listen to this show know that I love I love guys who can set a good screen, and nobody sets a better screen than, than Stephen Adams. Uh, this past January, you'll recall, he injured his right knee against the Suns in a game where he already had 16 rebounds. He missed the rest of the season, and now he'll have surgery and miss this season too. And all I can say is that we wish the big Kiwi our best for a quick recovery, and he has an open invitation while he's in rehab to join us here on the 48 Minutes podcast down the road, and Memphis PR, if you're listening, you're going to get an email from me soon. Hopefully you can hook us up with the big Kiwi. But good luck for a quick recovery, Stephen Adams. Yeah, it's been a really tough start to the regular season for the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, uh, with John Morant having to sit out the 25 games, and then now they get uh, the news on big Kiwi. And, of course, they also lost Tyus Jones. I know there are a lot of fans out there saying, well, You know, the team had a great record last year when Ja was out. Well, Tyus Jones is gone, and he was one of the top point guard, backup point guards in the league. So I don't know about you, Bruce, but real quickly, the one follow-up question I have on your opening tip, you look at Memphis, you look at their history of guys, doesn't Time Lord really kind of fit in there as a grit-and-grind player? Well, yes and no. When I think of grit-and-grind guys, I think of guys that are like, truly physical guys like his like Stephen Adams's backup Xavier Tillman I mean he's a beast right Robert Williams to me is more of a finesse guy than a grit and grind guy simply because you know you always get worried about injuries with him but that said Joe Cronin's done done nothing but make great deals (laughs) the last month or so so uh I'm sure you know if if he's on the horn to Memphis uh dangling the time lord out there you know who knows yeah, no, I mean, I think that'd be a, quite the combination down low. Jaron Jackson Jr., Time Lord, they might average like 15 blocks a game between wow. the two of them. Yeah. So, <laughs> World B, what do you have for an opening tip? Well, thank you, Ross. Uh, with the NBA season about to begin, everything seems okay in Milwaukee land. 
They got the big offseason prize in acquiring Damian Lillard. And they just re-signed two-time MVP Giannis to a three-year max extension. And so the Bucs are once again considered the favorites to win an NBA championship. But it hasn't been a smooth ride for the Bucs in the preseason. Just last week, their coaching staff went through a fairly significant change as assistant Terry Scott, hired during the summer, resigned abruptly. Now, the circumstances that led to the resignation haven't been addressed by the Bucs, although it has been reported that uh, he and uh, first-year head coach, A.J. Griffin, uh, had some words, or Griffin yelled at Stotts in front of the rest of the team, and that didn't sit well with Stotts and and uh, who was Lillard's coach in, in uh, Portland as a head coach and abruptly resigned. But my issue with this situation isn't over what led to the coaching change, but rather the issue of why A.J. Griffin and other first-time head coaches too often aren't allowed to hire their own coaching staff. Many times, as in this case, the front office will choose to select a person or persons to work alongside their the person that they deem good enough to lead their team as a head coach. But somehow they're not good enough to build themselves a winning staff. To me, it's very simple. If you trust a person to be your head coach, be the one to lead your championship contending lineup, then you should put your trust in the fact that this person will be able to assemble his own staff to assist him or her, hopefully down the road. This Does this mean that one day, uh, what, or does this mean that what occurred last week will never, you know, between Griffin and Stotts will, uh, wouldn't have happened if, if Griffin had been able to hire his own staff? Of course not. We have no idea. But then again, we'll never know. So, yeah, at the end of the day, if you're allowed to co- hire your own, st- you're allowed to be the head coach. You should be allowed to hire your own staff. I think that's a fair point. There will be, and I think you were uh, meaning to mention Adrian Griffin, uh, the father of AJ. Uh, you were thinking of the player who's on the Atlanta Hawks and still oh, twenty sorry. years yes. old. But uh, my Adrian apologies. Yes, so. correct. Yeah, yes, I'm sorry about that. Yes, Adrian Griffin. But, you know, uh, uh, I know, I know, Ross. You, you're going to jump in with your opening tip, but you know, Joe Mazzula, who went to the University of West Virginia or West Virginia University, this is a lesson that he learned last year. You need an old head next to you on the bench, and losing Terry Stotts, unless he's got somebody ready to replace him that's more experienced than he is, you know, that could come back to bite him. We got to keep our eye on that, Ross. Sorry to jump in. Yeah, no, and I've been mentioning on Twitter. Uh, I hope it's Jeff Hornacek. I think he'd be a great hire there in Milwaukee. Uh, He's a guy that uh, helped out first-year head coach Steven Silas in Houston for two seasons as the associate head coach and is now a consultant with the Utah Jazz, uh, helping consult with uh, Will Hardy. So uh, could be uh, an interesting fit there. I think it's definitely a good one. But uh, we wish the Bucks the best of luck and Adrian Griffin uh, with his coaching staff. But in better news... I'm sure you guys know where I'm going with my opening tip. When it comes to one particular superstar in the NBA, uh, he made his point today by signing his extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that Giannis wanted to get done, uh, kind of surprising us all getting this done before the deadline here tonight, was that there is no drama with him. There should be no doubts. There are absolutely no excuses now. And there's much more excitement for Bucks fans heading into their home opener on Thursday as Giannis surprised the NBA world by deciding to agree to a three-year, $186 million 
extension with Milwaukee prior to tonight's deadline. All Bucks fans can share a sigh of relief as Giannis gave his teammates, the entire organization, and fan base clarity on just how committed he is to winning in Milwaukee moving forward. Of course, we'd all like to wish Giannis, who is a friend of the show, congratulations on his hard-earned and well-deserved contract extension. This news is definitely even surprising us. And uh, just real quickly here before we move into our first quarter, what were your guys' reactions? World B? Well, he had talked on on our show about if they're if Milwaukee is committed, I'm committed. They went out and they showed their they displayed their commitment to not only Giannis but to Bucks in general to put a championship uh, lineup out there. And so Giannis, like you said, had no excuses. They they went to, they would did their part. I want to stay here and do mine. And it's easy to. Uh, uh, show your commitment when they offer you about 60 mil a year too. Yeah. Bruce. He's as close to perfect as a player can be period. End of discussion, small market. He's cool with that loyalty to his teammates. He's cool with that telling management what they need to do. They were cool with that. (laughs) So everything's cool in Milwaukee and Giannis is just somebody that we all obviously admire like a ton. Yep. And uh, as we head into our first quarter here, we are going to get into our season predictions. We're going to start in the Eastern Conference, making some predictions there. And let's start with our surprise team. And uh, World B, I'll go ahead and start with you. Who do you have as your surprise team out East? Well, it may may seem like a uh, bit of a surprise that this is a surprise team, considering they finished fourth in the conference last season and made it to the conference semifinal. But I think it's the New York Knicks. I think the New York Knicks have a chance to be look, the Bucks and the Celtics are at the very top of that conference. And then there is a wide gap between whoever you want to pick as number two and whoever you want as number three. But I think the Knicks have a shot to be that third team. I think they have a 50 win uh, team in them, 50 win season in them. You know, they have a uh, something that by the way has only happened once in the last 23 years. So if there's any team that's due for a 51 season, it's my Knicks. Uh, but, you know, they, their lineup is really, really turning into a solid group with Brunson, Julius Randle, who was All-NBA last season. You'd forget that the way he gets criticized in New York. He was an All-NBA player. And you have Quentin Grimes, who they wouldn't put up in any trades during the offseason. They like him that much. R.J. Barrett, who please develop into a quality player. Um, please develop into a super – at least a, a – Borderline All Star. I'm begging you, RJ. I'm putting all this on you, on your your guys. So you got to be one of the guys to come through. But they have a really solid lineup all around, and I think they have enough depth, and they have a great coach, and I think that they're heading towards a 51 season. Bruce, who's your surprise team? Um, I think you know towards the end of last year, I think we all started really kind of liking the direction the Indiana Pacers were heading in, and and they are definitely a team that I think is going to surpass expectations. Uh, they have an All Star caliber point guard in Tyrese Halliburton, got a solid guy in the middle on defense in uh, Miles Turner. You got three point specialist Buddy Heald, second year bucket getter Benedict Matherin. Uh, Obi Toppin comes over from World B's Knicks to give them a little front court depth. And they brought in free agent Bruce Brown, the Swiss Army knife that did a little bit of everything for Michael Malone last year in Denver. So um, they also drafted Jairus Walker, who is just this six foot eight inch, 20 year old 
like mountain of a man who is going to, when he gets some minutes, which hopefully he will, he's going to be out there setting screens and Buddy Heald's going to be buying that guy a lot of dinners. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. No, I think those are two great choices there. Um, the one that I went, ha- went ahead and uh, took for this is the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, I did uh, want to mention them on tonight's podcast as uh, Quinn Snyder is getting his first full year with the team this upcoming season, which I think is important. I think he was a really good coach with the Utah Jazz. I know from having to scout him as a video coordinator, he's got a lot of confusing sets and uh, hand signals, and he's very hard to scout. And, you know, not only is this his first full year with the Hawks, but it's his first full year with that backcourt, the young, talented backcourt of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, both of whom I think can really excel under his leadership. And uh, with John Collins leaving, I think obviously that was a great get for Utah. But for Atlanta, this might be an addition by subtraction with Coach Snyder's game and rotational plans for the upcoming season. So keep an eye on the Atlanta Hawks. They're also in a division that I would say is probably the weakest in basketball. I mean, they're in the same division as Charlotte and Orlando. Sorry, World B, but um, Miami's in there too. And, you know, they didn't really improve much this season. So there's a lot going for Atlanta this year. So uh, wouldn't be surprised if they surprise us all. Watch for AJ Griffin too on that team. Yeah. <laughs> well, well played there. I like that. So, so let's just jump right into it here. Obviously, we got a lot to cover. So, Eastern Conference Finals matchup. Bruce, who are your top two teams for that? To the surprise of nobody, uh, the East <laughs> should be Boston or Milwaukee. I don't see any other team in the conference finishing within five games of either of those teams in the standings. I see them both as 60-win teams, just absolute championship-level teams. Uh, Most people feel Milwaukee's better with Giannis and Dame, but Drew Holiday is a significant loss for them, uh, particularly because he went to their number one rival, Boston, and now you know Drew Holiday and and Derek White will be the best defensive backcourt in the NBA. Both were all defense last year. First team for Drew, second team for White. White led the NBA guards in block shots. I mean, they're both absolute dogs out there on the perimeter. Teams are going to have a lot of trouble getting into the paint to start their offenses against them. Uh, if they're going to play that, you know, penetrate and dish, whatever, they're going to have to use, they're going to make teams use a bunch of time off the 24 second clock before they can really get into their set. And that's going to really help Boston a lot on defense. So with Tatum and Brown as the best pair of wings in the NBA, Porzingis also needs to be healthy come April, but you know it's those two teams. Yep, will be. Yeah, I have Boston and uh, and Milwaukee as well. Um, they not only are they the two best teams; they've been the two best teams for years. Let's be you know, yeah, I'm sorry, Miami. I know you you beat them both on your way Stuck to the uh, NBA Finals a season ago, <laughs> but this is how it is. Um, they've been the two best teams for for years and so there's really no reason to expect uh at this stage anybody but those two teams competing for eastern conference uh, championship and that's gonna be a wild scene if it it works out the way we want it to work out yeah and uh i fully expect the nba to be crossing their fingers for that matchup as well i think (laughs) they'd definitely love to see it but uh i'm in full agreement so i'll keep mine short i got the bucks and celtics in the eastern conference finals matchup um i think with milwaukee obviously there's a little bit more concerns just early on here in the preseason. Who need you know who's going to step up and really help this team, especially defensively? Two guys that really stood out in preseason for me were uh, 
Of course, Malik Beasley, he's played good defense on the uh, defensive end and then also shot the ball extremely well. He's definitely letting it fly and really cherishing that role within that offense. And then off the bench, Marjan uh, Bochamp. He looks like an extremely talented guy. Giannis and uh, a lot of the veterans are speaking very highly of his work ethic on and off the court. And uh, keep an eye on him being a riser as the season moves on and could be a pivotal piece to their playoff picture. Now, we have our matchup, our Eastern Conference Finals matchup. But who do you have being the Eastern Conference champion? And uh, World B, I'll start with you. Well, hang on to your hats here. I think it's going to be the Celtics. Okay. I I, I told you, Bruce. <laughs> hang on to your hats there. Uh, I think they they have the best offense in the Eastern Conference, and I think they have just enough defense. Even after uh, saying goodbye to Marcus Smart, they brought in Drew Holiday. I think that gives them the best, uh, maybe the best defense in the conference. And I think I think they're going to uh, prevail and be the representative in the East. All right, Bruce. I give the slight edge to the Celtics as well in seven games. It, if if it goes seven games with them in Milwaukee, that will be their 11th head-to-head matchup of the season. Four in the regular season, seven in the playoffs. They could play each other 11 times this season. And that to me is like, it doesn't get any better than that. You know, I mean, they just, they're so evenly matched. I mean, every game will be close unless somebody has a, you know, load management night or whatever. But, I mean, those two teams, man, watching those guys go at each other like that, I just can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to apologize to my Bucks fans that have, I know have definitely been starting to listen with the uh, Giannis pod and whatnot. But uh, I'm in agreement. I think the Celtics have the experience in the last couple of years. They've got, you know, definitely the, the most talented wing in the uh, NBA between Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum, which is going to, cause a lot of problems defensively for the Bucks, And if Al Horford stays healthy, I think that's going to be a big key. Someone that can definitely make it tougher on Giannis. If he is available, um, I'm definitely going to go have uh, with the Boston Celtics uh, being the Eastern Conference champions. But I think it's going to be a close series, as Bruce alluded to. I think it could go seven for sure. Um, and heck, that'd be a heck of a battle. So uh, hopefully we get our wish here and our predictions come true. So um, with that, let's go ahead and move into our second quarter with the Western Conference predictions. And uh, Bruce, I'll start with you for your surprise team out West. I really like the Oklahoma City Thunder to make the jump into the playoff field this year. Last year, they made the play-in tournament. They were led by all NBA guard Shea Gilgis-Alexander and a guy that's just super exciting to watch, 6'8", Josh Giddy, who begins his third season but only turned 21 years old earlier in the month of October. So this guy's got two years under his belt. He just turned 21. They have really good role players like Lou Dort, J-A-L-E-N Williams, and rookie big Chet Holmgren, who we're really going to be excited to see what he brings to those guys. He's looked good in the summer league and in the preseason. Uh, last season, they won 40 games after winning just 24 the season before. So I don't expect them to improve by 16 games again. That would put them at 56. That's not going to happen. But if they could get five or six more and end up with like 45, 46 wins, which I think is very doable for them, they should be right into the playoff picture out West. Will be? Uh, my surprise team is going to be the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay. Uh, we got the second year going with – Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert 
And so I'm expecting a much better uh, production as a group, as a trio, uh, this season than they had last season. We, we really dumped on Rudy last season when things weren't going well. Cat uh, was hurt for a good part of the year. Anthony Edwards made the jump into all-star status, which was uh, solid. But I think the three of them together for a full season now, uh, you know, the West is so loaded. You really can't expect them to be a top four, even a top five finish. But they made the play-in tournament last season. They got out of it. And, you know, they won one more game in the playoffs over the Nuggets than the Lakers did. So they got that going for them. Uh, I expect them to avoid the play-in tournament this time and get one of those spots in the playoff field, which for them would be a real step in a – I don't think they're in a competitive – we're going to compete for a title right now, but I think they're going to be much improved from what we saw last season. All right. And my team out west as a surprise is going to be the Houston Rockets. I really like Ime Udoka taking over and kind of keeping that group accountable uh, heading into the season. They obviously went out and spent big money on veteran leadership with Fred Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks. And I just like all the options he has off his bench. I mean, we even saw it in preseason. He was playing each and every game to win. They ended up with one of the best records in in the NBA during the preseason. And uh, really just think, you know, if guys aren't going to be committed to the defensive end, they're going to get subbed out. And I think that that's going to be known to the team. And it's going to be a competitive bunch fighting for minutes. And that's only going to help with big-time results down the stretch for that team. So I think they could really surprise a lot of teams. And you cannot sleep on playing the Houston Rockets this year. It's not an automatic win anymore because they're going to bring their lunch pail and they're going to compete. As for the Western Conference Finals matchup, Bruce, I'll go ahead and start with you again on this one. Who are your two teams? I'm feeling Denver and Phoenix in the Western Finals. Uh, there's future Hall of Fame players all over that series. KD, Booker, and Beal are great. Yusuf Nurkic obviously is going to have to play some serious ball against the Joker if the Suns are going to you know, have a legit chance to beat those guys. But um, I think Nurkic knows Joker about as well as anyone can know Joker in the NBA at this point. Um, Jokic uh, is a two-time MVP. He's just 28 years old. Believe it or not, his best ball could still be in front of him. Uh, Jamal Murray is a stud, and if Michael Porter Jr. stays healthy, he and Aaron Gordon provide a lot of punch up front, and now they know how to win, so that makes them more dangerous. But uh, I see Denver and Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals matchup. World B? Well, this is where it gets fun for me, because <laughs> I have neither team making the Conference Finals. Ooh. I have the Lakers and the Clippers battle for L.A. in the Western Conference Championship. Wow. Uh, I think both teams are going to be terrific. By the way, this is all contingent on, I think I mentioned either in the last podcast or one before that, no two teams need to be healthy this season for the long haul more than the Clippers and the Lakers if they want to be in the conference finals. But I think they, if they stay healthy, they're going to be in that spot. Uh, I'm expecting the Clippers to somehow, someday, pick up James Harden in the deal. It's got to happen at some point. We talked about it last week. At some point, they're going to make, pull the trigger. Somebody's going to give up, and I eventually he's going to end up in L.A. with the Clippers. And I think the, I, you know, I'm a big, huge Ty Lue fan. I think he's going to have the, the talent to really compete if they stay healthy, and I think this is LeBron's last great chance to make a run if he gets a healthy AD to go along with him and the supporting cast. I think they can be right up there with the best of them. I have questions about uh, 
I have questions about Phoenix playing defense and handling the ball. I have questions about Denver being able to do it uh, over the long haul. Again, they they played they shot the ball tremendously last season. People don't realize the Denver Nuggets had the second best shooting season in the history of the league in effective field goal percentage. We are we expecting that to happen again with their starters? It could. I'm a big Jokic guy, and I I'm big fan of Joker and the rest of that crew. But for me, it's the Clippers and Lakers. All right. Well, I agree with you on one of those two teams not being in there, uh, and that is the Denver Nuggets. I do not have them in my Western Conference Finals matchup. I could be made a fool because uh, I was one doubting them again last year. So um, I've got the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers duking it out. The old school rivalry I grew up uh, on in the uh, in the NBA, just seeing those two guys really going at one another. Um, I think those two guys are certainly going to uh, have an exciting series as they did last year. I think the Su- the Suns are definitely going to be matched up much better this year with what the Lakers have on their roster. Um, so that could certainly be a big matchup uh, out West and one that could be a surprise to many without the Nuggets in there. But now we've gotten to our Western Conference champion. And uh, Bruce, I'll start with you. Okay. I was just going to tag on real quick. Oh, the Clippers, the, the, the Clippers to me are a team that could go to the East, that could go to the Western Conference Finals, or they could miss the playoffs. Okay. There's something about that team that just isn't ringing right for me right now. And I know that it might be that they need Harden, but yeah. they don't have Harden. And maybe when they get Harden, they'll wish they didn't have Harden. I don't know. But something there to me, and I agree with everything World said about that team. I mean, you know, Ty Lu is an excellent coach. But, you know, you're relying on Russell Westbrook to be like the, the the kind of the consistent guy who's durable, whatever. And that's a little dicey. He's like getting up there. But anyway, I don't mean to digress, but I, that's my hot take. I mean, the, the Clippers could go to the conference finals or they could miss the playoffs, you know, likely to be somewhere in between. All right. It's all on health for me with them, too, by the way, Bruce. It's yeah. all health. Related. I'm, I'm betting on the fact that they're going to be healthy for a change. Yeah. If they're not, then I'm with you. They could miss the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with the positives that you said about them. You know, I I truly do. But you're 100 right with that team. You know, it's it's walking on eggshells as far as that goes. Absolutely. Okay, Western Conference champion. My pick is Denver. They have a chance to repeat, but the conference is loaded, as with all the teams you guys mentioned uh, indicate that. But I see fewer question marks on the Nuggets than I do with other teams. And for that reason, that's kind of making me lean towards them. Joker's on a whole different plane from anyone else who's playing. Nobody stopped this guy for a really long time. And I think uh, um, I, I see him bringing those guys back to the Western Conference Finals and winning it. All right. World B. Uh, I have the Lakers making it to the uh, finals. I oh, think come on. I was uh, hoping you were going Clippers. You know, I would uh, normally. He's I would, already hedging, uh, Ross. He's already hedging. <laughs> I would. Uh, I'm a big. You know, I'm. I think if healthy, they're they're really right there. But I think the Lakers are going to be a determined team. Uh, I think we saw what they could do when they had a healthy AD to go along with LeBron in the playoffs when they made the run to the Western Conference Finals. I think again, this is all banking on them being healthy, which is a big gamble with the with those two, especially with AD. Yep. But when he's healthy, he's every bit a top five, top ten NBA player. I'm banking on that he's going to be healthy. And with the supporting cast that they had that we've talked about in previous shows, 
I think that's going to be enough to get them to uh, the championship, to the finals. Gotcha. All right. Well, for my Western Conference champion, I am making one fan base that is close to me very happy. I'm going with the Phoenix Suns. I think they're going to go ahead and defeat the Los Angeles Lakers, have the more star, uh, star power when the games are on the line with those three weapons and Beal, Booker, and KD. Um, I see that one going six or seven, though. I don't think it's going to be easy for Phoenix. So um, I see the Suns making it to the finals yet again uh, this year and uh, returning with hopes of finally bringing the championship to the city of Phoenix. But with that, we've gone ahead and reached the halftime buzzer. So we'll go ahead and take a quick break and come back with you for the second half. And we're back with the start of the third quarter. And uh, let's now dive into the season award predictions. And uh, we'll go ahead and start with the top honor of most valuable player. And uh, World B, I'll start with you. Well, I had my problems with this one, trying to figure out which Nick I wanted to put up there. Between <laughs> Julius Randle. Uh, uh, my choice is Jason Tatum. Nice. I think this is... I don't believe in the whole philosophy. It's his time, or whatever. That's been the uh, the thing attributed to Luca there in Dallas. Oh, it's his time to become. I I don't buy that. You either good or you're not. Either win it or you don't. There's no time, no destiny thing when this comes in. But the fact is, Jason Tatum has raised his scoring, rebounding, and assist average. He's increased them every year he's been in the league. Last year was a thirty point guy. He's going to be the best player on one of the best teams in the league, and I think their success this season is going to be uh, – he was in the hunt last year for a long time. I think this is the season he's going to actually win it. Bruce, who's your MVP? Giannis. He was my pick last season, and he'll be as good or better this season. We we, we all know what he's about. Yeah. And I got a, a curveball here uh, a little bit. My MVP for this year, I'm going to go with SGA with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Whoa. I think they're going to have a big-time year. I think he finished fourth in MVP last year. So why couldn't he be any, even better this year? I think the one piece they were missing last year was a guy like Chet Holmgren. Jalen Williams got better. All the pieces, Josh Giddy got better. All the pieces around him got better. So I fully expect him to be better. And uh, I think he'll still put up some big scoring numbers. And if he can get the Thunder near, you know, flirting with that 50, po- 50 win season, why can't he win it? So he is my MVP choice this year. Next up, Bruce, I'll start with you. Who's your defensive player of the year? Um, newly acquired Drew Holiday. He's going to be a Tasmanian devil at the front end of Boston's <laughs> defense. And when he and Damian Lillard match up 11 times, hopefully, it's going to be epic, but yes, Drew is my choice. All right, will be. Uh, I'm going with Giannis for defensive player of the year again. Uh, it's a rarity to have somebody win it three times. I think he'll he will uh, join that club. I think having Dame around to uh, take some of the offensive load, not necessarily scoring load, but you got to remember Giannis is a big high usage guy on offense, one of the biggest in the league year after year. I think having Lillard around will take some of that off him. I think he'll uh, use that energy or whatever you want to call it. I think he's going to be determined on the defensive end, just like he was going to be on offense. And he's going to be a difference maker for that team, making it their run to a championship. All right. And as for my defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Jaron Jackson Jr. He came out today after, of course, being asked about the 
big Kiwi news, losing Steven Adams. And he says, I have to play even bigger and better. Now, I do have concerns about whether or not he can stay out of foul trouble, having to play more of the five-man rather than the four. Um, but he's always put up crazy defensive stats, and uh, he's going to be heavily uh, relied upon and, and get major usage. So I think definitely uh, he could be in the consideration again this year. And why not take it home if the Grizzlies continue to kind of be who the Grizzlies have been in years past without Ja for 25, without Taj Jones, and without Steven Adams? A lot of that credit needs to go to Jaron Jackson Jr.'s defense. Now, for Rookie of the Year, World B, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm going with the number one overall pick, Victor Wembayama. I think uh, I think I talked about him last week. I think if he if he can stay healthy for for a relative, you know, for a whole season, I think the uh, fans are going to be out of their mind watching him play. He is an absolute game changer. If he doesn't do anything offensively. His presence on defense is going to be something we haven't seen in a long, long time, if ever, in this league. So I'm I'm looking at him to win the the rookie of the year. All right, Bruce. Uh, my choice is Scoot Henderson. Uh, he has the keys to the offense. He's got carte blanche to do his thing. The Blazers, I believe, are going to overachieve, and I think he'll be one of the main reasons why. Yep, I echo that thought, Bruce. I'm going with Scoot Henderson. I really have since day one. Real excited to see him get the keys to the city in Portland. And, uh, you know, if as long as he can keep those turnovers numbers down and keep the shooting percentages better than we all anticipated, I think he can definitely get it done. And I think Wemby would win rookie of the year, but I'm betting the under on 65 games. I just think any type of minor injury, they're going to really nurse that. So uh, I, I've got Scoot Henderson. Now for sixth man of the year, this can get really fun. Uh, Bruce, I'll start with you. Who's your sixth man of the year candidate? I'm going with uh, Pat Connaughton. I love Ooh. the guy's grit and his athleticism. He's a willing role player. He'll be a jolt of adrenaline off the bench for those guys. Now, I know that he's probably going to start some games, but I yep. think for the most part, he'll be coming off the bench. And I just think he's really the best athlete on the Bucks team. If you watch the guy, he is super athletic. He's gritty. I love him. I think he. I think it's his time to win that award. Will be. Uh, I'm going with Chris Paul, the Warriors. I know, I know he he may be in the lineup, like you know, just like uh, Bruce talking about his guy there, Pat Connaughton. I just think he's going to be mostly coming off the bench. And I think if the Warriors do anything um, in this season, he's going to get a lot of credit. I think he's already getting groomed for the. They're already talking about him for that award. They were talking about it when he got traded there that he was going to come off the bench and be the sixth man of the year. I know he's not crazy about it, but I think he'll. Uh, embrace that role as the season goes on and he'll get the positive coverage about being the sixth man. Like, like everybody loves to be positive about Chris Paul, but I think he's going to, if they do anything in this season, I think he'll be uh, rewarded with that, that sixth man of the year. All right. Got a major curveball here. Probably my biggest of the night. I'm going with Buddy Heald of the Indiana Pacers. It sure seems like Rick Carlisle is going ahead and playing Benedict Matherin in that starting lineup. If they do hold on to Buddy Heald for the remainder of the season and do not trade him, I could see him having monster numbers off that bench, continuing to be one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He could put up major numbers there. If the Pacers are a surprise team, as Bruce and I have, uh, have definitely said on some shows, and I know – uh, World B, you've been right there with us and echoing how good they could possibly be. I could see Buddy Hill being a guy that 
could be in consideration for six man of the year. And that might help him get a payday uh, next free agency. So keep an eye on Buddy Heald. Now, coach of the year. Uh, Bruce, I'll start with you. Um, I'm going with Joe Mazzula, uh, who attended West Virginia University. Uh, he's got the tools to get it done. He's got an improved staff around him. He's got a team that's got 60 win potential. He came sort of close last year. I think he's just in a great situation to excel this year. And I see Joe Missoula, uh, former Mountaineer, winning coach of the year. All right. Well, let's ask our Mountaineer who he's got for coach of the year. By the way, Missoula was my choice at the end of last season, if you guys remember. He was my choice to win for coach of the year, which I was in the minority there uh, big time. But I'm going with Darvin Ham and the Lakers. I think if the Lakers can get to 50 wins, 50 some odd wins, that always looks good on the resume when you're trying to go for coach of the year. Winning 50 plus games with the Lakers seems to be a good thing to have on your resume when you want to win uh, coach of the year. I think he's going to do that. Both of them. I think he's going to get to the 50 win mark. And I think that'll be enough to win coach of the year. All right. And I'm going to go with the Vegas favorite favorite here, Mark Dagnall. Of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think wow. uh, what I saw this preseason, uh, the development we've seen of Chet, he's got to get some credit for some of that, right? Him and his coaching staff kind of grooming him along the way. Uh, he's got those guys competing at a high level, much like Ime Udoka does down in Houston. So I think uh, if, if the if the Thunder are legit, of course, I also have SGA as my MVP. I, I think Dagnall uh, has to be my pick there. If uh, SGA is having that good of a season, Chet has a strong rookie season. Um, I think there's an argument to be made there for Coach Dagnall. All right, next up, we got most improved player, and I'll start with you, World B. Uh, Josh Giddy of the Thunder. This cool. is the whole Thunder. We've talked about five times more about the Thunder than we have about the Warriors there, which is who would have thought that one. But I, uh, I'm going with Josh Giddy. I mean, it's just, as Bruce mentioned before, third year in the league. He's only 21. He, he was a just he had really good flash as a rookie but he couldn't shoot at all. So he improved. He went from under 42% from the field as a rookie to 48% last season. Plus he was 16, seven and six on a team with SGA. Those are really good numbers. And he's not a great three point shooter, but he's getting better. He had as many triple doubles last season as Russell Westbrook. And wow. he had just two fewer than Giannis. So you know, he, he can put up the numbers on a team that's going to have a lot of numbers. So I think he's going to, Make that jump and be recognized for it. All right, Bruce. All right, World B. I'll talk about the Warriors. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it's going to be Jonathan Kaminga, uh, but this is dependent on Steve Kerr playing him more. Um, if he gets twenty-five to thirty minutes a game, which I know is probably a little bit on the higher end, uh, he could be a mid-teens scorer after averaging just under ten last season. So. Uh, if Steve Kerr gives him some minutes, Jonathan Kaminga is going to show out, and I see him as being the most improved player. All right. As for my most improved player, I'm going to go with Anthony Simons of the Portland Trailblazers. I think he could put up some monster numbers this year. He averaged just over 20 points a game last year. I see him being becoming one of the top eight shooters in the NBA this season, and that's going to be showcased with his three-point field goals made. I think he could be amongst the lead leaders uh, with three-pointers drilled on the season. Uh, he's definitely going to get a ton of time and a ton of shots. So uh, as long as he keeps those percentages uh, respectable, uh, definitely keep an eye on him. Now, as we get to our random thoughts here, uh, Bruce, I'm going to turn it over to you and, and tell me what's 
one of your random thoughts or predictions for this upcoming season? Well, we're going to do a couple rounds here. We're each going to do two. So my first random thought is Taylor Jenkins is going to be on the hot seat in Memphis, and it's just not fair. The John Morant suspension robs him of his best player for 25 games, and the season-ending surgery to the aforementioned Stephen Adams makes it even worse. Dylan Brooks is gone. Marcus Smart is in. And if Marcus, the former Celtic, plays well, perhaps he can keep Jenkins' seat a little bit cooler. But I'm just worried that, you know, Jenkins is going to be the fall guy because of things that are kind of beyond his control. All right. Will be? Uh, my One of my hot takes is I think uh, Billy Donovan will be the first coach fired in the NBA this season. Um, fair enough, fair. But the fact is uh, the Bulls are a train wreck of a franchise. I don't think that we have any clue what their plan is going forward. The big three clearly hasn't worked for them. They were two games under 500 last season. Donovan's been there for three seasons. They finished under 500 in two of them. Uh, they had two seasons ago, they won 46 games, which was a nice thing. And then they take a step back and win only 40 last season and they get knocked out in the play tour. They had to hit Miami Heat down in their building and couldn't hold on. So I think if they get off to a bad start, now they get off to a good start, yeah, he won't be fired. But if they, I'm not thinking they're going to get off to a good start. I think they're going to struggle. And I think he'll be the first fall, fall guy. All right. As for my coach on the hot seat, I'm going to go with Chris Finch of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think there's some big expectations out there. Um, They've really got to figure out what they're doing in the front court with Rudy Gobert, Carl Towns. Uh, Anthony Edwards obviously had a huge summer. Uh, If he comes out and has a disappointing start to the season, I think that could be blamed on the coach. And, uh, you know, they really need to solidify a a playoff spot this year out west. So um, if they're not really on pace to do that, I could see him being the first coach fired as well. Now, uh, second one, Bruce, what's your second random thought that you have for us here tonight? CP3 and his ego bear watching in Golden State. All right. He has played in 1,214 regular season games, and he has started every single one. He's never come off the bench in his entire career. With Steph Curry and Klay Thompson still on the team, will Steve Kerr find a way to start the point guard? In a very small starting lineup, my hoop IQ, limited though it may be, says he should come off the bench and lead the second unit while spelling clay for short stretches um, and playing alongside Stephen Curry for brief points in the game. I guess we'll soon find out if he can handle a backup role if, in fact, Steve Kerr decides that that's best for the team. Uh, that's going to be really interesting if, if that happens. Yeah. Really good, really intriguing thoughts there, Bruce. Will B? Yeah, my uh, player to watch or came out of nowhere. He's not out of nowhere. He's a three-time All-Star. But watch out for Ben Simmons this season. Who? I think (laughs) you think we haven't heard about him. By the way, he played about half the season last season, but you just nobody remembers that. But I think he's healthy. I think he's motivated, and I think he's going to really show why he was a three-time All-Star when he gets to Brooklyn. And if it wasn't for the Knicks, the the Brooklyn Nets were going to be my surprise team in the East. I think he is going to display the offensive game that we saw in years past with the Sixers. I think he's going to be a – he could be, if he's healthy, a really unstoppable force, which he was at times in Philadelphia, a triple-double threat every night. He just – 
fell off on the scoring uh, department, but I think that's going to pick up again. I think he's going to be a double-digit scorer, 15 a night, and I think his assists, his rebounds, goes without saying, and his defense, which he was one of the elite defenders when he was with Philadelphia. I think we're going to see that version of Ben Simmons for the first time in years this season with the Nets. I like that take there, Will it be? As for mine, I already mentioned a little bit at the top here, but Mike, he came out of nowhere, is going to be Malik Beasley. I think he's going to really add a lot of value to his stock this year. Obviously, he's kind of bounced around. He was on he was on the Wolves. He's been on the Nuggets. He's been on the Lakers. You know, he's kind of been like an off-the-bench contributing role piece. This year, I think he's become a, a bona fide like, starter for, for most teams in the NBA. I think he's going to really get the production, get the open looks, uh, courtesy of Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo drawing a lot of that attention and even Chris Middleton there. So um, I really gonna, I think he's really going to come off as a, a winning player. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to have the numbers. And between the two of those, it should really help him uh, when he enters free agency. And I think he could get a nice little bag from another contending team that wants to add a culture guy to the uh, to the list. Not not that he's a culture guy now, but I think he could turn into one. So keep an eye out on that. So um, as we get to our final thought here, of course, really the, the last thing that we really need to discuss for our final thought is who do we have as our 2024 NBA champion? Bruce, why don't you lead us off? Nuggets versus the Celtics. <laughs> Home court will be everything in this series. If Denver gets it, they'll probably win. If Boston gets it, they'll probably raise banner number 18. The altitude in Denver at the end of a long season can really take its toll on opponents. I was there for a playoff game at the end of April, and just walking around the city, you're affected by that altitude. So after playing almost 100 games, you know, and then having to go in there and compete, that's going to be tough. But in this matchup, because home court is everything, I believe Boston will need to win two at home and give themselves a cushion going into Denver. My prediction is that Boston will get the home court. They will do just that, and they will win the Larry O'Brien trophy over the Denver Nuggets, Boston Celtics. Nice prop there. World B. Thank you. I'll say Bruce can't help but be a homer when the pressure's on. You know he's gonna he's gonna stand with the stay with his hometown team, and that's fair. That's fine. Uh, by the way. I think the Celtics are going to win the title as well. That's a Knicks fan who wants nothing more than to see the Boston Celtics go 0-82 for the season. But since that's not going to happen, I think, look, look, no team made a bigger gamble in the offseason with a trade than really the Celtics did when they broke things up and traded Marcus Smart away and ended up with uh, Kristaps Porzingis. That was a big gamble on the Celtics' part because they were, as we mentioned before, top three in offense and defensive efficiency last season. So they were one of the best teams, and they just didn't get it done against the Heat who made it to the finals. So what do they do? They really revamped this team, and they're going to go all in on offense, and I think the gamble is going to pay off. I think they're going to be a different type of defensive team. They're not going to be as good, but they're going to be different, and they're going to have just enough but their offense, they're going to be the best offensive team in the league this season. And I think the gamble is going to pay off when they beat. It's going to be Lakers-Celtics, and I think it's going to be the Celtics that prevail. Wow. That would be an epically historic finals matchup there. That could be a lot of fun as well. 
Uh, so for those that may remember, I have the Phoenix Suns and the Boston Celtics. In that series, I do have to take the Boston Celtics for a lot of the reasons World B just laid out there. So um, I just think the experience, I think the defense, um, and I, I just think it's going to be too much uh, for, for Phoenix to really overcome, especially having to go into that garden crowd. I mean, let's take it. The Boston has one of the best home court advantages in the NBA. Uh, they'll be definitely ready to go. Not to say the Suns fans aren't going to bring it if they make the finals, um, but I I have the Celtics. I think their defense is too good, and uh, come playoff time, defense really does matter, and they'll be able to showcase that on the biggest stage against some of the best players in the league that the Suns employ. So um, should be a lot of fun, but with that, uh, we've gone ahead and reached the end of our preseason here at 48 minutes. We want to thank everyone for their time throughout the offseason, hanging out with us. Uh, it's definitely been a lot of fun uh, discussing the NBA with all of you. And uh, with that, uh, we'll be back with you next week with a lot more game action to be sure you're up to date in 48 on all things NBA. Take care. <laughs>